Welcome to another episode of Hoopstradamus. I'm Adam Shalfu, joined by my colleague Gabriel Wilkins. Gabriel, today we're talking a little bit about your specialty. Uh, you know all hoops, but it seems like you always have your ear to the ground on the Houston Rockets. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Always a pleasure to be on talking hoops with you, especially all things Rockets. Uh, they got a lot of news currently yeah. trending across the social media landscape right now for damn for sure. Yeah, yeah, the timing's pretty good. I'm doing well, man. I, I'm keeping an eye on, uh, it is 2.05 Mountain Time right now. Uh, the winds whisper that Chris Paul could be on the move. And that, you know, doesn't directly tie into this, but in, in some ways it does. Uh, the Rockets are a team that have been uh, changing and changing fast last few years. And I think changing faster than ever in the last few months uh, with a change in uh, the front office, a, a change on the sidelines, and perhaps coming changes in personnel. Why don't you just kind of like, I guess, get us up to speed, you know? Like, how, where did we start and how did we get here? Well, honestly, you know, Adam, I think it all started as far back as um, May 2019, you know, when Golden State knocked off Houston in the Western Conference semifinals for the Third time, I want to say in the last four years, the Rockets have failed to the Warriors in, in six games. And there were a lot of chatter and, and hoopla in regards to Mike D'Antoni and, you know, his contract. They had recently picked up his, the final year of his four-year deal. And there was a lot of talks on his side of things with his agent, Warren Legary, about possibly seeking to get an extension. And for whatever reason, Tillman Fertitta wanted to go in a different direction and, and use that year as a show improve year and have Mike D'Antoni come back as a lame duck coach. And as a byproduct of that, I guess there were a lot of, you know, feelings and, and, and love lost between those two parties. And then you combine all of that with the, the Daryl Morey, I stand with Hong Kong remarks drawing a lot of backlash from various figures around the league with, with guys that had money tied up in outlets such as China. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how a lot of the personnel moves and things sort of ended up going in the direction in which they did. And I think when that happened, you had two guys and Maury and Dan Tony who were connected at the hip through their love of analytics and seeking to play the game of basketball in a different way. Go all out and say, hey, you know, we got Russell Westbrook here, who James Harden wanted as a, alongside a team, Tillman Fertitta. And they saw that he was being very inefficient as a three-point shooter. And they sought to open up the hole by trading Clint Capella uh, in exchange to get Robert Covington. Mm -hmm. And they also gave up a first-round pick to do that, which was very costly considering the fact that they gave up multiple um, future assets to acquire Westbrook just to get Chris Paul's contract off of the books last year when they shipped him out to Oklahoma City. And they thought it was a strategy that was going to work, and for a while it did work. But then once Russ got hit with the COVID, mm -hmm. and it kind of slowed him down a little bit, and then you combine the fact that he didn't have a, a full training camp to get ready due to having some surgery done on his knee. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was it was a it was a lot of ups and downs. They they were a team that when they were clicking, they showed tremendous signs of promise. Yeah. But when things went awry, they went bad. And I think by their inability to acquire a big man at the deadline last year, in conjunction with running up against a Lakers team that proved that they could beat you in more ways than just one, 
whether it's going small or playing big or in between, that, you know, it could lead to disaster. And, and that's what happened. And that's how we're in the situation that we're in now. I think it was a lot of um, disagreements between Daryl Morey and Tillman Fertitta in regards to who would be the next head coach of the Houston Rockets once Mike D'Antoni decided to resign and part ways with the organization. And, you know, that's that pretty much. And, and now you, you're in the, the Rafael Stone and, and Steven Silas era. And that, that should be interesting to watch no matter how things play out. But with, with the latest news surrounding James Harden today and Russell Westbrook today, and knowing that we live in a world where things can change within the blink of an eye, you just never, ever know what the state of any franchise, let alone what the Houston Rockets may be looking like going into these next 20 days as a training camp approaches. And when you say the latest news, I'm assuming you're referring to them kind of saying that they feel uneasy about the future of the franchise? Yes. Um, it's been well reported by Mark Stein at the New York Times that James Harden, while he and Russell Westbrook approved of the Stephen Silas hire, that they were very intrigued about the possibility of Tyron Luke okay. being the, the next head coach of the Houston Rockets. In addition to John Lucas, a guy who I know very well, I've had the fortunate pleasure of interviewing and held the director of player development role down until recently being promoted as an assistant coach, as a lead assistant coach, rather, under Steven Silas' staff. Those were the two guys that they were eyeing. And I think they're also expressing some concern in regards to ownership. Here you have a guy like Tillman Fertitta bought the team for a record $2.2 billion when they were up for sale a few years ago. And actually when I started covering, covering Rockets and now he's been the owner for the last three years. And he's talked about how he's devoted to building a championship contender and a winner around James Harden as he approaches his thirties. And while those comments sound great, and make for tremendous, you know, headline appeal, his actions have not added up, unfortunately. And that's how and, it goes sometimes, right? And, Everyone and, and, can and, say they want to win a championship. And, and I think when you have $81.8 total invested in your backcourt going into next year, you've had a team that's been very close at cracking, you know, through the West, but yet they failed. You, you have a lot of questions that remain. And I think right now, they want to see Tillman put his money where his mouth is. I don't think that a trade is imminent at the current moment. I really don't. However, I do think that this is a message in which Harden and Westbrook are trying to send to Tillman Fertitta. And something that the not only that they've been critical of or some, so many NBA insiders, but also fans across the city of Houston, they've been very adamant about wanting to see Tillman Fertitta put his money where his mouth is. You know, it's one thing to say that you want to win. Now it's time to put up or shut up in a year that is really going to be intriguing to watch shall these two pieces remain aboard with mm -hmm. a new head coach and a new general manager who, even though Rafael Stone has been there over the last several years and, and knows Harden, he doesn't have the familiarity with Harden on the level that Daryl Morey has had a guy that Harden has sat in war rooms with, seen the way that this guy does business and knows 
that if there's any signs of chemistry issues or what have you, is not afraid to make a deal at the drop of a hat and create a change that's needed for the betterment of the culture of an organization. Yeah, that's definitely a good way of putting it because it seems like the Rockets are approaching a crossroads. I don't think they're necessarily there yet. I think that you could make the argument that they are, however. But what I mean by this is at some point they are going to have to make a decision regarding James Harden. Is this a player you're going to uh, double down on? The Rockets have kind of made bets on themselves, made uh, they're already kind of changing. They're going away from uh, Mike D'Antoni, who is, you know, known for the seven seconds or less, the small ball run and gun team. Uh, so he's gone, but the remnants of that represented by Harden and Westbrook are still very much there for now. And you have to make a choice. Are you going to continue to try to have this small ball identity and build around James Harden? Or are you going to get to a point where you realize your superstars and Westbrook and Harden aren't healthy? And then you have to make a, a difficult decision. And that could be pending. Uh, but I guess I'm kind of uh, a snake eating its own tail right now with those remarks because they're two completely different realities. But what do you make of the situation? And if you were the GM, what would you do? The situation in some aspects, it reminds me a lot of a time, even though the NBA was a different place back then when Michael Jordan was with the Bulls and they had made the decision to fire Doug Collins, a guy who was a big Michael Jordan supporter, empowered Michael Jordan to play on the ball on the same level in which Mike D'Antoni encouraged James Harden to play on the ball, making him the lead point guard, the lead man. You know, right. a lot of one-four right. yeah. flat sets, isolation. Um, yeah. if, if you really think about it, Michael Jordan won a fair portion of his scoring titles under the tutelage of Doug Collins. He no different than James would. Harden. Yeah, you know, with Mike D'Antoni, James Harden won the last three straight scoring titles. Mike D'Antoni, the winningest head coach by a win-loss percentage in Rockets history, was there for four of those years, the last four years, rather. Good point. And I, I think that um, when when you when you see that situation, you you can kind of understand why it was such a a, a great loyalty that they had because they had developed a bond. But if I was the GM of, of the team right now, I would continue to work with James. I would continue to seek to get to know James and getting his input on this team, but not only just getting his input on this team, seeking to let him know that, Hey, it's another way that we can do this. It's another way that we can find a way to get over the hump. And I think while their offense is still a top 10 offense, there are various tweaks in which I know for a fact that Steven Silas will seek to bring to this team. One, I don't think you're going to see as much isolation basketball that you have witnessed James Harden play over the last several years in Houston. I know that Steven Silas wants to bring in a motion offense, and it's been proven with his tires, such as adding Jeff Hornacek onto his uh, head coaching staff or assistant, is one of his assistant coaches on the coaching staff, John Lucas. And then also bringing in personnel such as Rick Higgins from Orlando. These are guys, particularly Hornacek, who was a former head coach in Phoenix and New York, mm -hmm. that 
they didn't run offenses that were similar to the style in which D'Antoni sought to utilize James Harden, which was we're going to put everything up top and we're going to trust you to make the right play, whether that's seeking to create for yourself or creating a driving kick opportunity for the likes of Eric Gordon or Rod Covington or Trevor Ariza when he was there or Chris Paul when he was there mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So I, I, I think that, yes, they're, they're definitely at a crossroad point. And I do think that this situation is similar because, like I said to the, the Bulls, when they were losing to the Pistons all those years, Michael wasn't always happy. And, and it, was, it was a lot of rumblings behind the scenes about that. James, at this point, is expressing a lot of his displeasure, but I think it's more with ownership as opposed to the front office. Okay. I think if I'm Rafael Stone, I'm seeking to let it be known to Tillman for Tita that, hey, we need to put up a shut up and that we've already wasted some years of James Harden's prime by failing to put our money where our mouth is. And now's the time to do so. And tomorrow's not promised. Even though James has two more years left on his contract, he has a player option, I believe, in 2022 coming up. I'm pretty sure he's going to seek to forgo that $46 million. He already has a lot of money off the Adidas deal that he signed several years back. His family's well taken care of. His mom, Monia Willis, is his agent. He's been able to take care of everybody. Now it's more so about what does James want to do for James? And if I'm a member of the Rockets organization, I want to figure out how we can help James maximize his window in Houston. A guy who I believe when it's all said and done, no matter how this plays out, should have his number hanging in the rafters and should mm-hmm. have a statue outside the Toyota Center. That's how monumental he's been to the city. That's how monumental he's been in the culture. And that's how monumental he's been to just that organization. You think about that organization where they were before they traded for James. They hadn't been to the conference finals since 1997. Wow. He's taken them to two conference finals appearances in the last five years. They have not missed the playoffs since James Harden has been a member of the organization, which has been eight years. He's been an all-star for the last eight straight seasons. He's made first-team All-NBA for the last four straight seasons. He's the only player in the league who can lay that claim. Not even LeBron can. So when wow. you really think about it, you know, they, they, they owe it to James in my personal heart of hearts and opinions. And I, I know a lot of people close to James and, and I, I know that he wants to win. He's devoted to winning. And I, I really hope that when it's all said and done, that he, he gives Steven Silas a chance, a guy who is very similar to Phil Jackson to me in regards to their journeys when it comes to head coaching. Guys that didn't get a, a, a head coaching job into their mid-40s, but it paid their dues as assistant. And even though while Silas never played on the pro level or the NBA level, is a guy that's been under championship head coaches, mm-hmm. such as Don Nelson, such as his father, Paul Silas, whether they were championship coaches or championship players, in addition to Rick Carlisle, who was not only just a championship player, but a championship coach. I think his experience with Luka Doncic will help him build a better relationship with Harden, who's a similar player. And I think at this point, a more polished player entering his 30s, even though some of his athleticism may have waned, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, if, if I'm the Rockets, we we really have to have strategy meetings with this individual and James and, and, and find a way 
in which we can help him maximize his window in Houston to win a championship. If not, then what are we playing for at yeah, this point? Because yeah. he's done everything in the game that you can ask an individual to do. He's led yeah. the league in scoring. He's led the league in assists. He's won the MVP. He's been an all-star perennially. Yeah, because now it's either win or you let him go. You know, either win or you let him. uh, I know Philly has interest. I know uh, Denver has interest. And so you are, like I said, kind of approaching that crossroads. But, you know, you talk about putting your money where your mouth is. I'm sure that the Rockets don't have a ton of money to spend. But as they look to retool for this coming season, what kind of moves do you think would be most beneficial? Ooh, well, I know if they want to play the style of basketball that Steven Silas wants and based off of what he said in his press conference a week ago, they definitely have to make a move, whether they use their mid-level exception money to do it or they seek to acquire one in a trade to get a big man, a big man who can not only protect the rim, but a big man that can help them space the floor and is a great roller in the pick and roll game with James Harden. I think that was something that he really missed a lot when they traded Clint Capello away to get Rob Covington. Granted, Covington was great and was was a nice asset in that switch-heavy scheme that they liked to run. Mm-hmm. However, a versatile, one of my yeah, favorite players in the NBA. You know, long wing. However, it's just certain things that he couldn't do that a Clint Capella could. And I think they need to seek to find a big man that's similar to the Clint Capella archetype, but also has the ability to stretch the floor for Houston and shoot threes. That's a amenity that James Harden has never, ever had throughout his entire career to date in Houston or even Oklahoma City. He's never played with a five that's able to get money off the pick and pop game. Yeah, in addition to the pick and roll game and protect the rim. If I'm a team like the Houston Rockets, I'm seeking to find a way to acquire a big man such as Miles Turner or a big man such as Thomas Bryant. They they have to make moves by the margin. I don't know if you consider trading a guy like Russell Westbrook to do that just yet, but I do think a guy that you must consider trading at this point especially when you read all the recent news and hoopla coming out of Clutch City right now, is Eric Gordon. Yeah, He's a guy who's had a, a fluky injury history. Granted, he has been phenomenal in Houston, uh, uh, staying healthy throughout most of his tenure to date there, but he, he's coming off of a very down year. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in his early 30s. He's a guy who, when he's healthy, he could be one of the most consistent six men in the game for you. But when he's not healthy, you know, he could tend to struggle a little bit. I think that's a guy that they're going to have to move at some point. And if they do, they're going to have to get a big man for him, preferably a, a young piece, if possible, or a veteran big, such as Nerlens Noel. Some, some, they, have, they, they have options. And they probably going to have to get a big at the minimum, if not a big, that, you know, if they want a guy like Miles Turner make a trade for Another guy I would look out for, too, if I was the Rockets, is Mo Bamba, a guy who needs to get out of Orlando in the worst Mm -hmm. way possible with all those bigs stacked uh, above him on the depth charts. Already, you know, ties to Texas. Yeah, Kim Burke. And and Mo Bamba's a guy who hasn't really had a chance to get a a lot of shine and minutes in the league. If Mm -hmm. they were able to get a guy like Mo Bamba in Houston, 
I think that would be great for them. And they just added Rick Higgins, who's a former Magic assistant, to the staff in Houston. So, hey, you know, this is a relationship business. I, I think that would be an intriguing move as well. Yeah, uh, guy, I think, uh, <laughs> ironically, I think I've mentioned him in almost every closure podcast, which uh, speaks a lot for the way the game is evolving. But a lot of teams need a guy who can protect the rim and also knock down the three at that center spot. And uh, one of the first guys that comes to uh, mind, especially as I evaluate this free agent class, is Aaron Baines. You know, yeah. uh, he's not necessarily the most fleet of foot, but you'd be able to have that inside outside uh, offensive presence that uh, Harden would be able to really work with. Uh, and you still get that rim protector. But yeah, it seemed puzzling to me. And it, there were times when I had my opinion on the Houston Rockets this past year fluctuate dramatically. I would go from all in to all out, you know, <laughs> and a big part of that was all of a sudden they doubled down and I'm like, okay, they are getting killed on the glass, but wow, they only had four turnovers, you know, stuff like that. Now, eventually they ran into the Los Angeles Lakers and what's going to happen when you are going against a uh, seven footer with guard skills and Anthony Davis, uh, it's going to be the antithesis of your style. If you're Houston and all you can do is play small ball and you're playing against bigger players who are just as good at small ball, you know? Uh, so I think there was a time when they were completely exposed. Uh, and so, yeah, versatility has got to be the key here. Uh, I don't think this, this player is leaving Denver, but like a guy like Jeremy Grant, you know, who can play some minutes at the center position, but also uh, switch on picks. Uh, I think that they are in a weird position where they're kind of strapped for cash. I think the best bet, honestly, is maybe calling it on the Russell Westbrook era. You know, I don't know how much that would affect Harden, but I don't know if you can – I don't know if this is sustainable if they're trying to build around Harden, and that has some to do with the style of play Westbrook has, but it has more to do with how much you're paying Westbrook. Yeah, and and you never know how that contract – will age and when you have a guy whose game is so dependent upon his athletic ability and getting to the cup but yet you know he's not been the greatest three-point shooter throughout his career yeah it can prove to be problematic especially in a system where they like to get a lot of threes up in Houston yeah so and you're not the first person and you're definitely not gonna be the last who will call for that move and when I when I think about it Russell Westbrook I don't view him as an untouchable asset by any means. However, I would wonder how a player such as Harden would accept that because right. Harden was very adamant. This is a guy that he considers to be like a brother to him. They mm. grew up in South Central LA together. This was a guy who, when the offer was presented to the Rockets, Daryl Morey, a guy who typically doesn't even make moves for players of that caliber. He typically likes to find guards that can work out that pick and roll and shoot. But Harden was very adamant about bringing Russell Westbrook in to join him in H-Town. And if they were to trade him, I wouldn't be in objection to it only 
if they get this back, this following piece back that I'm about to say. Okay. In order for them to trade Russell Westbrook away, they would have to get a quality level wing player back okay. in the deal. A quality level wing player that is so good to the point where he's able to move a guy like P.J. Tucker out of the starting lineup and back to the bench, wow. which was his role originally when he got to Houston. And unless if Paul George is available, I don't know if that's a move you make if you're Houston. Because I I, when, I look Paul at the Clippers, yeah, when, I, when I look at the Clippers right now, I know that they need a point guard in the worst way possible. And it doesn't surprise me when I read reports from the Ringer saying that the Clippers are interested in Russell Westbrook. But if you're interested in him, you're going to have to give up something. You're going to have mm -hmm. to give up a piece that makes both sides happy. And the only piece that I could come to senses with, if that deal were to happen, would be Paul George. Now, if you, you, if you deal him to the Knicks, you got you to gotta at least seek to get Kevin Knox back in return. Like, Houston has to find a way to not only get a big or two, they have to find a way to get another long wing that they can pair with Rob Covington shall they not decide to trade him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's pieces on this team who – can be had at the right price. I think Rob Covington could be had at the right price because he's on a fairly fair contract. But, but what are you getting in return? When you, when you look at the Rob Covington situation, like if they decide not to trade him, then at some point you, you're going to have to figure out exactly who you seek to flip. Because when I look at untouchable players on this roster, the only guy that Truly, to me, the piece that you don't touch is number 13. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like, uh, I mean, I agree with what you said. It's hard to trade a rare talent. You know, uh, I think that it's easier said than done. I got into a little bit of a Twitter debate the other night uh, about the Chris Porzingis trade. And these Knicks fans were getting really upset with me because uh, they didn't really agree with me that the Knicks uh, got absolutely bamboozled in that trade. And the point I try to make is like, okay, but how many other seven foot three guys are walking around uh, knocking down threes and getting two blocks a game and are someone who can drive? It's you don't want to trade rare talents. It's like if you own a stone, you know, a rare gem, you are going to sell that for a higher value. You know, and so there are a lot of really good shooting guards, a lot of good combo guards around the league, but there aren't, there's only one James Harden. And you really have to look back and you can compare him to a guy like Jerry West, who can command both guard positions at an elite level. Uh, you can talk about a guy uh, like Reggie Miller, who made a living getting the free throw line and knocking down the outside shot. Uh, but it's very hard to look across today's NBA landscape and say, okay, this is fair value for James Harden. Uh, the only move I thought that maybe Houston consider would be something uh, revolving around Ben Simmons. If the Sixers are looking to reunite uh, Maury and Harden 
And if the Rockets are at a point where like, okay, let's blow it up. Uh, Cause that's a guy, you know, uh, they're not going to be able to get without dealing either, you know, Westbrook, which they probably wouldn't do. That guy's getting paid through 2023. He's going to make 47 million on his last year. Uh, so that's almost like an albatross type contract, frankly. Uh, but if you get a guy like Ben Simmons, you know, that's a guy you can kind of helps you with the rebounding. You can maintain that pace. Uh, but it, it makes, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's very hard to move a guy like James Harden. And I don't think it's necessarily the right move anyway. And I, I don't think the Rockets think it's the right move. I think if the Rockets had to choose between who would they rather deal between Westbrook or Harden, it would definitely be Westbrook. Right. The question is, is can you find an ideal suitor for him? And on top of that, not only can you find can you find an ideal suitor for him, but can you find a team that has the parts in which you need that complements your best player and James Harden to win a championship? Because right now, the game has changed in Houston. When Mike D'Antoni first had that job, it was about trying to figure out a way to get back to the top of the West. They did that. But then once they got close to beating Golden State and they lost year after year, it was like, okay, we had championship aspirations, but they've been shot down. Now they still have them, but it's under a first-year head coach and Steven Silas, a guy who has declared on the record on several instances over the last week, I am a win-now coach. Mm. You know, so – and and the goals are not going to change because of the personnel that you have on your team. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. I feel like we might have to circle back to this. There might be a part two, you know, Uh, we're about to see uh, where these chips fall, but I think at this junction, do we have anything left to say, my friend? (laughs) All I have left to say on it, man, if it is the end of the era, in Houston, I had a tremendous blast getting a chance to cover James Harden, a guy okay. who I can remember literally the night, you know, he got traded to Houston. And while I've never lived in Houston, I've never, you know, I've been there on one or two occasions. Just being able to watch that guy play on a night-to-night basis was a, a pleasure for me, and it was something that I've never taken for granted nor will ever take for granted no matter where he goes. I'm just excited to see what all ends up unfolding in Houston. And it's my hope, just as a fan of the game, that Steven Silas, a black head coach in the NBA, gets a chance to actually work with these two all-time great level players who will soon be Hall of Famers once they decide to hang it up. You have so many black head coaches in the NBA right now from – J.B. Bickerstaff to Dwayne Casey, former coach of the year mm-hmm. in Toronto, Lloyd Pierce. They're all in situations where rebuilds are seeking to take shape. Yeah. And winning is not necessarily the priority. Steven Silas has a chance after being an assistant for the last 20 years in the league and working his way up from a video scout guy to assistant to having two of the best guards to ever play the game with the possibility of winning a championship if things in Houston stay intact and they seek to make changes at the margin like most of us expect. And that is what we're going to have to wait and see. That is what we 
are going to find out real soon. Uh, you know, the the season looks like it could be returning in six to eight weeks. And so it's going to be a hyper-speed draft, hyper-speed offseason. And uh, I love the NBA offseason. It's one of my favorite things to cover in sports, even though it's a time when sports aren't really being played, or at least that sport. Uh, but it, it's always a wild ride. It's always fun. So we will see. And uh, Gabriel, when those moves happen, I'd have to get you right back here, man. Because, uh, you know, no one better to talk Rockets with. And uh, definitely one of the more interesting teams in the NBA right now. So thanks for coming on, buddy. By far, everything is big in Texas, man. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. We'll see you guys later.